Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk news radio program. And I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, and my guest today is Andrea Miller. She's been on the show before, but Andrea is always up to something, and we're going to try and cover as much of it as we can. But just to refresh those who perhaps have not heard, Andrea Miller is the Executive Director of the People Demanding Action, a multi-issue advocacy group, a non-profit that promotes clean energy in Virginia and nationwide, by the way. Andrea is a former congressional candidate a fierce advocate of solar energy, climate justice, and fair voting practices, reclaiming our vote and organizing for justice. From 1997 until 2018, Ms. Miller owned and operated ACQSYS. Andrea, good afternoon. How are you? And tell us what that stands for. Well, good morning, Marcello. It's Data Access, and it actually stands for Acquisition System. While she was there, she designed and presented IT courses for Johns Hopkins School of Business, for the University of Maryland Medical School, and for Howard Community College. In 2004, Andrea transitioned to Homeland Security IT which is a whole different thing, and developed training programs for Maryland Emergency Management Agency, for the Pennsylvania Emergency Management Agency, and for Virginia Emergency Management Agency, and for the DCEMA on Emergency Management Operations at the Center of Communications, which for me is where she always is, at the Center of Communications. As a consultant to state and county emergency management agencies, Andrea understands, of course, the importance of maintaining critical infrastructure, power, and communication. As an IT professional, Ms. Miller is responsible for PD Action's digital strategy, and she customizes advocacy tools for small to medium-sized organizations through the Progressive Support Project. In 2008, Andrea Miller was the Democratic nominee for Congress for Virginia's 4th District, and she is now running for the Rappahannock Electric Cooperative Board, Region 6. Andrea, I could go on and on and on, but maybe I should stop and let you get it a word. I, I tried to cover as much as possible. I mean, you know, when you're on the show, as anybody can tell from the introduction, which I didn't even finish, Andrea is a reasonable voice from which we can learn a great deal. From voter registration to Green Virginia, by the way, which was started even before the national movement. She's on the front line of stopping pipelines in the Mid-Atlantic, breaking up Dominion Virginia, and of course people demanding action.org, and the People's Budget Campaign. Not everybody knows about that. So welcome, Andrea Miller, again. And forgive the long intro, but hey, you've done it all. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show, Marcello. It's always a pleasure, and you know, professionally and personally. 
let's make certain they they feel the coffee this morning. Um, <laughs> right away, tell us a, a bit about how and why you were trained by Cesar Chavez. Well, all right. I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and my father was in my early life a labor leader. He was the union leader for the Steelworkers Union at what was then National Malleable Steel. Mm. And I went to Catholic school for my elementary and also my high school. Mm. And our elementary school was an activist church. So being part of an activist church, they did various organizing trainings. Now, again, remember, this is back in the days of the Barrican Brothers. This is back when the Dominion Fathers and Sisters were on the front lines in South America. These are the days when the Catholic worker is born. So these are the people who were my teachers. Cesar Chavez, was coming to Chicago and he made a stop in the suburbs and they were going to do a training for college students and high school students. Mm. So I asked the then assistant pastor, would it be possible for me to attend the training even though I was just in the eighth grade? Oh, wow. And and I remember him looking at me and going, well, you're tall enough, and so most of the people that are here won't really know you. So, okay. (laughs) Fantastic. So that's, uh, well, obviously, even before you met him, you must have had some interest in what he was doing. Uh, Yes. uh, So you were already an organizer at heart. You just came for the training from one of the best. How's that? Uh, Well, again, because my father was an organizer and I remember driving around as a child with my father and his best friend Charlie Lambert and anytime we would pass a picket line I could always count on Charlie Lambert to say Clyde those are union people let's stop Mm. and then we park get out of the car and some of my fondest memories of being with my father is him giving me the sign, whatever it was. I don't even know if I could read back then. <laughs> and him saying, hold the sign up straight, baby. Hold the sign up straight. Wow. People need to be able to see your sign. That's a beautiful story, but it's also, uh, in many ways, a call to action for all of us. Hold the sign up straight. Okay. Yeah. Well, like we were... Um, I invited you on because of this upcoming REC Board of Election. Um, Tell us, well, first of all, what does REC stand for? Well, REC stands for Rappahannock Electric Cooperative, and they are an electric cooperative. Now, this is going to be a quick lesson for people. There are two kinds of organizations that provide electric power. There are, you're going to love this one, Marcello, IOUs, investor-owned utilities. That would be, in Virginia, Dominion and Appalachian Power. They are the number one and the number two electricity providers in the Commonwealth. Now, the number three electricity provider in Virginia is Rappahannock Electric Cooperative. Hmm. The co-op provides electric services in 22 Virginia counties. They go from Warren County all the way down to Hanover County. Hmm. Hmm. There are uh, 135,000 customers. Wow. And we... uh, (laughs) Well, we don't hear much about them. Is that's interesting? I guess. Well, 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 the reason you don't hear much about them is 
that they service areas that are predominantly thought of as rural. Now, this is a story I love to tell, and it's about the history of the electrification of rural America. Mm. Now, back in the 1930s, when they were busy electrifying America, the investor-owned utilities, Virginia Electric Power Corporation, which kind of ultimately became Dominion, Mm -hmm. refused to invest in electrifying rural areas. As a matter of fact, none of the investor utilities anywhere in America wanted to deal with the rural areas. So when you look at a city and you go, how many houses are they going to provide electrical services? In a city, um, you can think 50 houses per mile. And that would be for a small city. And again, remember, we're talking 1934. Yes. In 1934, in rural America, you could be talking 10 to 15 houses a mile. Uh, so the electricity providers were like, we're not doing it. Get out of here with that. Mm, mm-hmm. So Congress passed the law and provided funding for the local rural communities to get together, come up with a plan, and to create a rural electrical co-op. Mm. where everybody that was getting electricity from the co-op was a member owner. That's how all these rural electric co-ops literally came into existence at the same time. And that's also why when you look at REC's service map, when you look at most of the counties, Center City, the county seat, or the biggest city in the county is never serviced by REC. It's always the areas that were outside the city that were rural that are being serviced. Well, in the case of REC, back in 1934, what was rural is now suburbia. Mm. So REC is one of the fastest growing electrical co-ops. They are the number two electrical co-op in terms of their size in the United States. You know, huge. I, I, I maybe maybe I'm getting off track a little, but I just want to ask you this because you are the person. When we think of, as you've been telling us the story, the 1930s and the you know the cities, you make more money doing that rather than uh, you know letting people in the rural areas see, have light, etc. But I, but are we not in the 21st century still sort of going through that with broadband availability? Uh, we're exactly going through that with broadband. And so what we're seeing now is there is now a World Broadband Task Force that is part of Congress, and there is also a Virginia state rural broadband task force and the thinking is broadband or high-speed internet today is like electricity was Mm. in the 1930s if your community doesn't have high-speed internet your kids are not going to be able to do their homework at home, you're going to have to haul them out to a public library or they're going to have to stay in school longer hours, take advantage of somewhere where they may have high-speed internet. Businesses are not going to be attracted to the area. And remember, rural America does desperately need jobs. And one of the reasons why so many young people who come up in rural America, leave rural America, is because if they are not going to farm, then there's virtually no opportunity 
for gainful employment where they live. So our rural communities are beginning to really suffer. And when you go into some rural communities, you're going to find mostly older people. There'll be some younger people that are still there, but you're really beginning to look at kind of a dying rural community. And broadband would give us the opportunity to revitalize rural communities where people who want to raise their families where there's clean air and open space would have the ability to do that and they'd still be able to work. Yes. And and we must go to a commercial, but I also want to throw in, and you can pick up on this on the other side if you wish, that this also extends to, we talk about climate change, and it's a global situation, it certainly is, but with climate change, with Alzheimer's and, and medical expenses, with all of this, rural areas and communities of color are always the last to be visited by those they elect to work for them. I'm going to stop because I know Andrea can take off on that. We must go to a break. Stay with us. We're going to be talking about that and more with Andrea Miller, our guest today. Andrea Miller, among many, many things, is the executive director of People Demanding Action, and Andrea Miller is running for the Rappahannock Electric Cooperative Board, Region 6 in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk News Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my special friend and special guest today, Andrea Miller, is the Executive Director of People Demanding Action, but she is currently running for the Rappahannock Electric Cooperative Board in Region 6 of the Commonwealth of Virginia. You know, I, I think I've mentioned a couple of times this Reclaim the Vote campaign. What is, what is that, Andrea? Well, it's actually Reclaim Our Vote. And the whole idea behind that is there are, okay, people, here come numbers, 245 million age-eligible voters in the United States. 48 million of them are inactive or unregistered and 16.6 million are community of color voters Hmm. so we call our campaign reclaim our vote because when that many people are unable have formerly been enfranchised but have now lost it through moving, failing to renew their voter registration, any number of odd little things, 
then our vote is actually diluted. People who believe what we believe aren't able to go and put out a counted ballot. So that's why we call the campaign Reclaim Our Vote. So we're notifying folks that while, yes, you used to be registered, you're not registered anymore. Mm. There are 5 million deregistered voters in Texas. Oh, wow. 5 million in one state. They are black and brown, uh-huh. native and Asian. Yes. All people yeah. of color. That's just, right. Amazing how that works. I, I know. And, and you know, and as you have said, too, even though you're running for an office now in Virginia, in Region oh. uh, 6, your get-out-of-the-vote effort is, it reaches beyond the Commonwealth of Virginia, North Carolina, Arizona, Colorado, and in other states. Tell us something about about that. Are you traveling? Is this all done uh, by the Internet? How does this work? Well, I don't travel at all. And what we do is we right now are in the voter registration process. So we're notifying voters and making certain they know that their ability to vote has been compromised, Mm -hmm. if not outright taken away. Mm So we phone bank, we send postcards, we text people, and we go knock on their doors. Mm. We have partners in many of the different states, and so our different partners do different things. Uh. For instance, Black Voters Matter, we work with them in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi. Black Voters Matter is coming to Virginia. Mm. So they specialize in canvassing campaigns. I specialize in phone banking campaigns and now postcarding campaigns. Mm. And one of our other partners, Rapid Resist, they specialize in texting. And one of the special things they're working on is recruiting people to run for office. As my dear friend, Dr. William Ferguson Reed used to always say, when you don't have a candidate, you're going to lose that election. (laughs) Well said, yes. (laughs) You know, because so much is, so much that is in politics today, unfortunately, but so much in the American society, historically and currently, so much is clear in our culture that the racism, sexism, sexual harassment, women getting paid less. You've gotten paid less doing the same work as men, so I know you know about that personally. I wonder, all of you you're reaching out reaches out primarily to, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, to voters who are often right, they're marketed to, but they're rarely listened to. Expand from- and, and, and Marcello, they're not even really marketed to anymore. Hmm. The Democratic Party, again, our work is nonpartisan. Uh-huh. But growing up in Chicago in the 60s and the 70s, the Democratic Party had a tremendous outreach to at the time, and in Chicago, it was predominantly black people, but brown people as well. Mm-hmm. What we find when we're calling and we refer to our voting population as underrepresented voters, yes. when we call underrepresented voters, we are hearing that people haven't been called in 10, 15 years or longer. Oh, my God. These voters have been abandoned since pretty much the 90s under the Clintons when they discovered a white suburban female voter. Uh, So they're not even giving them an opportunity to say to any candidate what is important to them and what their needs are. 
thing. Right. And and let me talk about the behavior of political campaigns and political consultants. Yes. Political campaigns want to find that quick voter. Yes. So when they're working with the voter file, they're looking at give me all the reliable voters. Give me all the people who voted in three of the last three elections. Those are the first people who are going to get called. And they're probably going to get called a lot. Mm. In anywhere from five to ten times. I know. Yes. Uh, then they're going to call the voters who voted in two of the last three elections because they're saying these are the people that we know are going to vote. The people who never, ever get a phone call are the 0 for 3, haven't voted in the last three elections, or the 1 for 3, haven't voted in the last three elections. And the campaigns only want to deal with people who are likely to vote for them right now. They don't want project voters. Voters who aren't voting because they've got an issue. Remember when Virginia went strict photo ID in 2014? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Well, there's about 200,000 people in Virginia who don't have a photo ID. That means they can't vote. Mm. And again, 2014, 2016, 2018, those so, voters that haven't voted in the past three federal elections, they're on their way to the inactive list. If you're on the inactive list for another federal election, you're going to get deregistered. So it just it, it's become an automatic thing, at least in the Commonwealth of yes. Virginia? Yes, yes. And we, we tell people an inactive voter is basically on the pre-purge list. When you look at a state like Texas, Texas requires you to renew your voter registration every two years. Most people who live in Texas don't know that. That's why there's 5 million deregistered voters in Texas. So the government doesn't go out of its way to inform people of that fact? Register right. every two years? Right, or... right. They, they, they aren't advertising it on television. And again, remember, news normally operates in roughly a 72-hour cycle. Yeah. So the news comes out. Texas has changed their voting laws. You're going to need to renew your voter registration every two years. Maybe the first two weeks or the first week after they change that rule, they talked about it. Maybe on radio, maybe on television, maybe in the newspaper, maybe not. Mm. So if you weren't paying attention during that 72-hour, we're going to let you know, period, it isn't something that they advertise. They don't have billboards saying, hey, an election's coming up. Remember to renew your voter registration. No. They say that is really up to the voters to know that. Now, if you call the Texas Board of Elections, they will say, yes, that's the case. And if you read their website very carefully, you'll see that is the case. But there is no outreach They're going to say they don't have the budget for it to let voters know. Just as when Georgia and Alabama change their voting laws regarding returning citizens, people with past felony convictions, they made a decision. They were not going to make any effort to tell the impacted people that you can actually now go and register to vote. Wow. Well, I'm... <sighs> You know, again, there's a consistency here in our conversation and in in and uh, what is going on, I should say. And I mean, in keeping with that, an extreme ace of that, of course, if Flint water is no good and the government doesn't bother telling you about it, and you know, and your children uh, suffer from lead poisoning, it's like there's a whole lot's not being said that needs to be said. Anyway, right. I, I want to, uh, for a moment, I want to come back to other things that we've been, because we're talking broader, but, it, it, but we have to with you because you're involved in so much. But I do want to touch on this uh, campaign you're running. Tell us a bit about that. I mean, are there 
term limits involved? What's a, do you have problems with the salaries of the board? Why are you running, I guess? There's the question that's always asked. Uh, well, one of the reasons I'm running is out of our electricity portfolio, only 14% of it is renewable energy. That's one of the reasons. The other thing was when I was initially contacted and asked to run for the board, these rural electric cooperatives are nonprofits. So I assumed it was going to be another voluntary board position. Mm-hmm. And boy, was I wrong. It turns out that directors are paid $24,000 a year and, 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 uh-huh. when they go to meetings and they decide if it's cooperative business or not, they get an additional $500 a day. And I was like, well, I don't remember signing up for that and saying, yeah, that's okay, and I think that's a good idea. And that was when, when I looked into it, I realized that, yes, they have 135,000 member owners. However, when the board elections come up, they rarely have more than 4,000 people who actually vote. And that's 4,000 out of 135,000. People don't know how to vote. Mm. They don't know the candidates that they're voting for. So nobody votes. And people don't understand how big Rappahannock Electric Cooperative is. They think, oh, I live out here in rural Spotsylvania, must be a little thing. No, it's the second largest electric co-op in the United States, third largest electric producer in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I also want them to take a serious look at rural broadband in less than a five or six year period. If we wait six years, think about it, Marcella. Kids who are now in grade school. Hmm will be graduating high school, potentially never having high-speed internet at home. Um, Do we really think those kids are going to be able to get into the good colleges? Mm. And if they are, to be able to keep up with the the task of the workload, the study load, the homework, I mean... uh, They are going to most definitely need to live somewhere other than home. Yes. So it's it's all those things combined. There are new opportunities for groups like REC. There are also potential threats on the horizon where it becomes very important to make certain that we don't have unintended consequences if groups go after breaking up Dominion. Dominion can be a very predatory type um, institution. Again, they want to make money for their investors. They see an opportunity and they would jump on it. Hmm. All right, so you are running. I just want to be clear, everyone, to remind everyone for the Rappahannock Electric Cooperative Board, Region 6 in Virginia, and clearly, as always with you, 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 there are a number of issues that you very specifically want to be elected for so that you can address with this board. And one of them is, I, I don't even know how to, <laughs> these guys make $24,000. Um, it, it's an, uh, yes. So that's an <laughs> annual thing, no matter how much or often or seldom they meet. And then when they meet, they get another 500. Is that it? Well, if they attend a meeting outside a regular board meeting, so Uh the board meets nine times per year, then there are conferences regarding electric co-ops and various other things that they can slash should attend. So not only are all their expenses paid, which is exactly what you would expect, Mm -hmm. but they're paid $500 a day, which is ridiculous. If you are on the board of the electric generating or the electric 
distribution. They don't really generate electricity. They provide power. Then doesn't it make sense that you attend meetings and conferences where people are talking about best practices? Mm -hmm. Also, I have an issue with term limits. There are people who have been on that board for 30 years. There is nothing, and even more, there is nothing that is changing more rapidly. We are in the middle of an energy revolution. You have to keep up. You have to look at what is going on. Now, people want to know, can I vote for board? If you receive a bill from Rappanic Electric Co-op, you are automatically a member owner and you are entitled to vote for the board Mm -hmm. of directors. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm running as part of a slate, so there are three of us. Mm -hmm. Mike Biniak is running in Region 1. I'm running in Region 6. And Jack Manzari is running in Region 7. So any member, you get to vote for all three of us, even if you don't live in any of our regions. So we run at large, but we have to live in our region. Uh, If that makes sense. Well, clearly you have, again, specific reasons for running. Obviously, you have a focus on innovations, utility innovations, rural broadband, we've discussed that. Uh, governance yes yes um and and i want the board meetings to be open to rec members if an rec member wants to see and know what we're talking about at a board member we advertise all over the website that we are a member-owned utility well if i'm an owner shouldn't i be allowed to know and see what is going on on the board of the organization where I'm an owner. And that obviously is not the case now. Correct. So they've got, you know, I mean, it started out like many things uh, in America. It's clearly started out as a great idea. I mean, the the Rappahannock Electric Cooperative Board is an answer to a, a, a an enormous utility need for areas that have been largely ignored. So that's a great thing. But then if you if you create it as a, as a, as a board, as a, as a unit, as a function, uh, as an entity that has membership, and then you don't allow the membership, it would be like the a city council not allowing people who lived in the city to come to the city council meetings. And, and, and testify and say, we think this is greater. Why are you doing this? We, we think this is a really bad idea. Rappanic Electric Cooperative provides, I call it, boutique electricity deliver service. When Dominion customers maybe have a power outage after a big storm that lasts a week or two. Rappahannock customers, we normally have our power back on in hours, maybe worst case, a few days. Hmm. So we deliver great service. It's our governance, our board pay, which is part of governance, and our unwillingness to seriously consider ideas that are problematic. You know, and I and we we must go. I just want to mention because all of this reminds me of, of something that still annoys and perplexes me. President Jimmy Carter put solar panels on the White House. <laughs> yes, I know you know where I'm going, but it bears yeah. mentioning again. It's the kind of thing we forget. Ronald Reagan was elected president, and he took those solar panels, with great fanfare, by way, by the way, and publicity, off the yeah, White House. Right. So I just wonder, I wonder, 
I mean, are we learning anything here? Do we get it yet? And uh, um, it's not a rhetorical question, except that we have to run. I'll tell you what let's do. For more information, to hear more about what Andrea, the many things Andrea Miller is up to, uh, how do we get in touch with you, Andrea? We're, we're, what are you on Facebook and, and you, you know, email address, etc.? All right. Well, I'm going to give you our website. We've got our videos on our website. Our website is rec reform candidates plural.com and then on facebook we're rec reform candidates as well so you can follow us on facebook you can go to our website from our website you can follow us on facebook we'll be putting out a number of new videos and of course we would love to, if you're in REC territory, earn your vote. So when you get your July Cooperative Living Magazine, that's where your ballot's going to be. Don't throw away your vote. Hang on to that magazine, find the ballot, vote for us, and then mail your ballot back in. And most people don't even know how to vote. Okay, so that's the Cooperative Living Magazine? And, exactly. and you're yes. talking about the proxy designation card? That's what it has been called in the past. Uh-huh. And um, frequently what people will do, because they don't know any of the candidates, they will just give their proxy to the board and let the board vote. Uh-huh. Well, the board uh-huh. normally votes for the incumbents. They vote for themselves. Yes. So we're saying, no, no, no. Uh-huh. Vote for the individual candidates. Okay. So, All right. Mike Andrea Jack. All right. Mike Andrea Jack. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Well, Andrea, as always, when we talk, I go, <laughs> we need to do this again soon, but it's always because so much is happening. When does this election take place, by the way? People will get their Cooperative Living Magazine the first week of July. Some people may actually see it on July 1st. So grab your magazine, pull your ballot out, vote for the three of us, and then mail your ballot back in. If you forget and throw the magazine away, you can also vote at the annual board meeting. We'll have that date up on our website. We're not really sure when that's going to be this year. Okay. Very good, then. All right, we must run. We have been learning once again from Andrea Miller, who is the executive director of the People Demanding Action. She is currently running for the Rappahannock Electric Cooperative Board, Region 6, along with Jack and... Mike Viniak. Very good. All right, well, Andrea, thank you so very much for being on the show and, and always teaching us, updating us, informing us in ways that full citizenship requires. You know, as uh, Willie Loman's wife would always say, attention must be paid. Thank you so much, Andrea. All the best to you and in your election and, of course, in all that you do for all of us. And remember, everyone, be thinking about rural areas and broadband and all the other services that are denied, including we didn't get to talk about it, but Andrea has before, climate justice. Think about that. There's climate change. How can there be a difference between climate justice and climate injustice? You think about it. All right. Thank you so much, Andrea. All the best. Bye now. Thank you, Marcella. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. In 2006, an inconvenient truth told us that global warming was upon us, that it was caused by the actions of mankind, and that the consequences would be dire if we took no action. Ten years later, broad predictions have coalesced into horrific specifics, and climate change accelerates. Really? Who says so? Important, trustworthy people say so. Check out the eye-opening documentary, The Age of Consequences. These aren't our simultaneously lauded and vilified scientists talking, but important and thoughtful world leaders. Those who bear frontline burden. They must plan for our survival. One of the first countries to go underwater will be Bangladesh. This will be a flashpoint. Did you know there is already a fence surrounding the entire country for controlling the inevitable mass migration? Many of the biggest crises of our 
Times, Syria, the Sudan, the failed Arab Spring, and others are already tied to climate change. With shocking imagery driving their points home, the predictions of these world leaders are grounded in grim reality. We at the Indie Film Minute are not political animals. We only watch movies and bring your attention to the good ones. This one is a powerful eye-opener. Watch it. You'll see. The Age of Consequences. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Donald Trump is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on Americans. As William Barr mounts his already shame-stained DOJ throne to squat on the rear receptacle crusted over with Trump's executive order to defy all congressional subpoenas, his stream of spying spin from Russia with love through a media too lazy to look beyond surface excrement adds another slick of jaundice to our current seat of government. By comparison, our 2000 coup d'etat, aided by the U.S. Supreme Court and abetted by Reagan's ultra-conservative appointee, Justice Antonin Scalia, preemptively striking out Florida's Supreme Court, was more blunt force trauma than takeover by Trump, Pence, Bolton, Munichin, Pompeo, McConnell by a thousand cuts. Domestic spies, heavy laden with Coke and Deutsche Bank dirty laundry, coming in from the cold to warm their feet on ever-increasing GOP, boil, boil, toil, and trouble, for, of, by, and for the people government, the Trump syndicate flips an A.G. middle finger, not just at one co-equal branch, but to the entire land of the free tree, including founding roots. Perhaps another reason to unelect Donald Trump in 2020 is to be able to walk along Fifth Avenue without fear of being shot by a president of the United States, or at least deny absolution to Trump's global and pre-pardons to go, as conservatives amass attack from the female right flank in state legislatures push to pit lower courts against what they expect as a Kavanaugh versus RBG SCOTUS. Imagine being both poor and female, whether pale face or tanned out of history. Post-tax cuts for super-wealthy, twisting poverty standards to adjust for fewer Americans qualifying for food stamps? The non-exonerated investigated excommunicating justice from the Department of Justice, now investigating how his private foreign parts got probed without facilitating any hired urinating sources. Trusting pharmaceutical opiate pushers and health insurance ravens is as dangerous as believing in peddlers of fear herding us into desperation that settles for any old unqualified leaders. As a result, we're being Saturday night massacred again. While many well-meaning parents remain dangling under the pressure of those who teach fear of vaccinations, fear of affirmative action, and fear of true patriotism, the courage of first do no harm, by the way, even when thinking for oneself, remember America's greatness has always come from collectively caring for the common good. Repetitive Republican talking points have made an unquenchable cliché of I'm not a scientist. So when science guy Bill Nye goes ballistic on those who refuse to hear the truth about what they see, is it any wonder that logic is sacrificed on the altar of needing a stimulated political base? Smarter to full-stop conservatives trying to pry out of our grasp on reason the birth of a new onslaught on women's constitutional rights, eager to clone Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio reverberation of eleven Republican-dominated legislatures, with their MAGA on, for another round of the Trail of Tears, slavery, police-beaten suffragettes, McCarthyism, and, of course, Jim Crow. To the peril of America's humanity, we've right-winged patriotism, deserted the less fortunate, scorned human kindness, whitewashed dishonesty, and betrayed our Constitution so much, finding our way out of the quicksand of a trumped GOP bog seems as insurmountable as defeating a raving, self-aggrandizing, narcissistic, maniacal demagogue whose practiced charisma incited in an otherwise sane and industrious people the willingness to allow the slaughter of more than six million human beings. Nonetheless, 
Despite this incredibly unimaginable horror, human decency overcame, and devastated families prevailed. Collective self-delusion emboldens lawless executive action, whether emanating from Wall Street boardrooms, bankers banking on bank-induced recessions, or a foreign agent occupying the White House. Change for the better never follows voting against the best interests of union members, small businesses, or farmers oppressed by the side effects of violent white supremacists and executive privileges trade wars against patriotic voters in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, and Wisconsin. It's not the color Tim Russert emulators paint our states, but the lacquer with which we ourselves stain our souls. It's descendants of lynch mobs, alt-writers wrongly hijacking do the right thing, and the vulnerable to quick and easy fixes of false prophets without a plan or a clue. It's falling for the showman of oversimplification spouting lies camouflaged by promises of coal reruns and manufacturing returns, only to recycle blue-collar workers and women to their 1898 place. It's failing to internalize these self-evident truths. 1. You're not pro-life unless from womb to tomb committed. 2. An extremist president won't combat his online extremism allies. 3. For Trump, the presidential oath of office does not include preserving, protecting, or defending the constitutional rights of LGBTQ Americans. As conservative Republicans trumpet refueled war on women, reason responds. Lady Justice, blindfolded and not, our Statue of Freedom atop D.C.'s Capitol building and our Statue of Liberty are all women. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.